Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. This is Center Court with Hall of Fame basketball player Ralph Sampson. Center Court is presented by the Winner's Circle Network in conjunction with the Sampson Family Foundation, striving to uplift, empower, and educate the communities we live in. Now here's Ralph and your host, Mac McDonald. Welcome in Center Court on the Winner's Circle Network. Mac McDonald with the Ralph Sampson, because after all, his name's all over the show. Ralph, what's up, partner? I don't know if you're following this conference realignment story and what's happening, but I'm going to put you in a commissioner's chair today. Well, Mac, you know, yeah, conference realignment was crazy. I got a text message from some friend out in California that are USC UCLA fans, uh-huh. and you know, they said it can't happen that UCLA them go to an Eastern type conference, right? And they just go to this one big conference because they had the you know the Pac-12, the Pac-10, whatever it was, and they have all those rivals, and now they want to change and take them to the like the, the Big Ten, Big Twelve, whatever, wherever you want to go. Whatever realignment, it's crazy. I mean. I'm, now, the question is, how much money are they paying for all that? Because it's always boiled down to money. When, you know, when <laughs> Maryland left the ACC for the Big Ten, it was a money thing. Mm-hmm. And they took the old, old school rivals away where it made it funny to see Maryland and non-ACC school, especially on the basketball court. But it's going to be interesting to see what happens in these rivals, UCLA and, and Stanford and USC, and uh, will they play, which I'm sure they will, but it's going to be funny how the realignment takes effect and how much money is going to be made by these networks. There are so many storylines, and we're going to try to cover them today. So get ready, Commissioner uh, Sampson, because uh, you were talking about USC and UCLA will compete in the Big Ten in 2024. It's that quick. The Pac-12's media rights deal was was up for you know up for discussion. I'm going to break down some numbers for you too, Ralph, which will, I think, kind of blow you away. And also, and and to think back to history, this goes, you realize there was a decision in 1984 with Georgia and Oklahoma and, and the Supreme Court said, hey, NCAA, you can't control their media rights. This goes oh. back to 84. Yeah, it's way, yeah. way back when. <laughs> so, way back when. Yeah, so now with so much money being tossed around and you throw in the transfer portal and the nil and everything that's happening in college athletics, I mean, it's really and, – and we've got some some people in comments today that I think you're going to like. Brady Quinn, Kirk Herbstreet um, is going to be with us. Tim Brando, Bill Green, who was a writer of the Big Ten. He writes for an Ohio State – uh, website. And with all that, we're going to look into the ACC. And I, I again, I want to put you in the commissioner's chair because I know how smart you are regarding all this stuff and the TV and, and just think, had you been playing uh, during this time, would you want to play in a, in a power conference with uh, or merge with a lot of SEC schools and now find yourself playing basketball against I don't know. Maybe you'll enjoy the UCLA matchup. And <laughs> I mean, how how would you look at that as a player? As a player, now they, they don't remember, you know, ACC rivals. You know, I was uh, walking around downtown DC on on um, Monday, and I ran into Buck Williams. Seriously, I ran into Buck Williams and his wife, and obviously remember the show like let's get together for dinner, et cetera, et cetera. Like, and we and we still had that camaraderie, like you know, he was trying to elbow me, and I was you know like trying to post up on him, and then et cetera. But you won't have that type of rivalry with somebody that's in a conference that you see over and over and over again as you come up to the mm-hmm. college ranks. So the kids today is going to say, "Oh, this is great." They they're not going to look at the history. So for them, 
it doesn't make a difference. But for the fans that, that's paying the money to come in, it's a big adjustment for mm-hmm. fans to have UCLA or Virginia or USC colors, and they, they're going to play in the Big Ten against somebody else. That, that, that's not going to fly. This is Center Court on the Winter Circle Network. When we come back, Brady Quinn, Kirk Street, and Ralph and I break down the end game of conference realignment. We'll be right back. During Ralph Sampson's Hall of Fame career, he always believed dedication and teamwork were the two main ingredients for success. Now, with the opening of his restaurant in Charlottesville, the American Tap Room is proving great food can happen in an upscale sports bar atmosphere. Ralph Sampson's American Tap Room features local eats, local brews, and traditional favorites like burgers, wings, steaks, and seafood. You'll love the lobster mac and cheese and the Bourbon Street pasta. There's even a Coach Bennett ribeye. The tap room is now open for lunch from 11 to 4, and the staff serves dinner from 4 to 10. Reservations are accepted, and you can book parties up to 150 people. Contact General Manager Martin Welch at 434-422-8093. Ralph Sampson's American Tap Room, a hometown bar and grill brought to you by a hometown hero. I think you'll see eventually them go to like a 12 or a 16 team playoff. And it's essentially going to be NFL football uh, on Saturday. I think that's where I think that's where this thing's headed before it's all said and done. You're listening to Center Court with Hall of Fame basketball player Ralph Sampson. Once again, here's Ralph and Mac. Welcome back, Center Court, Winter Circle Network. And uh, as we said today, you know, if this was a movie, it might be Conference Crisis Part 2 uh, with the uh, USC and UCLA uh, leaving for the Big Ten in 2024. It just opens up a lot of uh, discussion and talk. And so, Rob, what was your reaction when you first heard it? You said you heard from some USC and UCLA people, but what was your reaction when you first heard it last week? Yeah, I mean, uh, somebody texted me like, this is going to happen. I said, that's not possible. <laughs> and that, that's not going to happen. It's not possible. Who's out there trying to do that? And um, it just, it's just not right. You know, and, and people with mind that understand that robbery and it's just kind of going to pan out. And, and, and Mac, you said they're doing it in the next two years. It's, it's crazy. Yeah. And how are you going to yeah. do that quickly? Yeah. Uh, so I was shocked. So when you look at, the money they're talking about. I'm going to break down some numbers for you that will surprise you too regarding the schools and the ACC. And also there was a a projection of why the ACC now is behind the eight ball and why they lost their leverage of Notre Dame. They could have possibly, you know, because Notre Dame needed football, uh, a football schedule during COVID. The ACC gave them six games uh, Notre Dame, you know, that was the time to wrap them up in the conference, but they're still dragging their heels. And now the big 10 is going to take a shot at Notre Dame. So as I said, Rob, this has got a lot of tentacles and how to look at it. Um, I want to play a sound by Brady Quinn, uh, former Notre Dame quarterback seven. Uh, he played for seven NFL teams. He works for Fox sports, CBS sports HQ. And he had some great questions about this asking the question, who is going to oversee the power two if that's where we end up in college athletics? Between the TV revenue that's generated, um, the stadiums you're seeing built out around you, coaches now making $10 million a year. And, and the players are the ones who, you know, just recently in the past few years got unlimited meals. I think it's only right we, we get there. It just might take a little while and it might feel a little clunky and uncomfortable until we get there. 
but that's where we're headed. That's, that's one of the reasons why I feel like, and I mentioned earlier, you know, two power conferences, and then and then who oversees it, right? Who's going to provide the governance? Are these you know student athletes going to be able to unionize like you see at the NFL level or in other pro sports? There's still all those questions ahead. Um, I, I just I hope we don't lose sight of college football and how we got to that point, and we still keep some of the things that that make it special and make it what it is. I think for you and I and, and all the other people who have come to enjoy uh, college football for what it is and the traditions that that go along with it. Well, Ralph, we've already lost a lot of traditions, and and especially now the athletes have a power, and they'll almost be ready. If this all comes down, players could form a union. There could be a college football players union or maybe an athletic union. Yes, he, had, he didn't speak anything about academics. Right. Not one word about student athletes. Now you're just talking about athletes and you're talking about really professional football players at the college level because it's right. all money, money driven. Two conferences, 48 teams. So I don't know how you can play. Notre Dame is Notre Dame must be got something going on because they everybody wants Notre Dame on their side because they 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 draw a lot of TV attention. They have a lot of history, right? right. And they've never been they've never been with any conferences and a conference until they got with ACC. They was kind of independent on their own. Mm-hmm. But no athletic entity college can should be able to do all this and not talk about a student athlete. So let's just take student athlete off the book. Cause there ain't no student athlete. We're not a student anymore. You're mm-hmm. just a freaking athlete that's getting to school a lot of money. Now you're gonna pay me with name, image, and likeness, but not everybody's gonna get paid the money that this quarterback got for like eleven million dollars to come in and play. He he, he haven't took taken a snap yet, so it's gonna fall out. And when the fallout is gonna be a big drop to me because how many kids are gonna go out there after they finish college if they get a degree or not get a degree? What are you gonna work at? What are you gonna do? Mm-hmm. It's a lot of life after that. You're 23, 24 years old. You don't make it to the NFL. What are you going to do? Yeah. And, and someone's going to be in basket weaving. Someone's going to be in forestry. Someone's going to be in these classes that they're never going to get a, a great paying job. And nobody looks at that part of it. There's no, there's, I'm sure there's studies out there where you look at the athletes after they finish college. What do they do? They get a good job. Do they work? Some of them fall by the wayside. It, 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 it's going to be, it's, it's not going to be great in the end for the athletes. I do believe Ralph, when you th- uh, look at, and, and I'm going to get into the, I'll start with the ACC and then we'll look at the other, some of the other leagues and some of the money, because you're going to be astonished at, at some of the dollars when John Swap before John Swafford left the Atlantic Coast conference as the commissioner, he cut a deal with ESPN through 2036. And right now the ACC is at about 30 million per school, but they're lagging behind uh, the SEC and the Big 12. For example, the SEC is at 54 million per school. The Big 12 is at 42 million. This is because of their TV rights, right? Pac 12 mm-hmm. at 54 million. The Big 10 is at 54 million. So, and, and get ready for this. Right now, there was a private firm that did a projection. All right, stand by, Ralph. Grab your chair, grab your slurpee, whatever you got. The Big 10 projection at, by the end of the decade is for Big Ten schools to make $75 million every year. Tell me where that money is going. Come, where that, where's that money coming from? TV, we're right? Building, Avenue? Where, where we're, the money coming from? We're not building libraries. <laughs> where, where, where's it coming from? I mean, you know, it, you know Ad Revenue. Deals. Yeah, it's coming from te- television rights. Television but, rights. Okay. So <laughs> so I, I do know, like, the NBA. Okay, great. Right. Uh, uh, the, the, the highest paid bill in most people's homes today are the internet, uh, the cable, yeah. and their internet. There's, yeah, the streaming. And, and, and streaming. Yeah. And then, so you get, it's got to go streaming at some point in time because 
you know, people people are dropping their inter- their cable left and right mm-hmm. because it's too expensive. But they, they can get their internet and stream. So it's got to go streaming. Uh, I just heard a couple of companies that are now building more 5K in the next two years in Virginia. Right. So it's got to get more powerful that I can do streaming. But is it that much, really that much money in streaming that you can pay every school in that conference, any conference, $75 million and, and, and advertising. So it's a combination of the two. You're not talking about season ticket sales. You're not mm-hmm. talking about anything like all that as well. You're not talking about any of that. Okay. And then, you know, <laughs> we'll get into something else later with the, every school is going to fundraise anyway, but the TV rights is, are, are crazy. I, I like to do some studying on that as well, because that is kind of crazy that every school can get that. And then now they want to, as you mentioned before, want to give everybody the ability to, oh, you can get free food now. You can get paid and get all the food you want. Oh, yeah, because I got to play for you and I got to win and I got to do whatever so you can get your money. All right. Are you sitting down? Yeah. It's projected by the end of the decade that the SEC schools will get, with their new TV deal or with their TV deal, by the end of the decade, SEC schools will get $100 Okay, are they going to be in a part of the big two? That's what is the underlying, yeah, that's the underlying story. Well, the ACC is projected at 50. This is why the Big Ten could put on a chart and tell USC and UCLA. And here's the, here's the other outlier uh, storyline. The word is that Fox and ESPN and all these major TV, are go, they are dictating to the conferences, look, Big Ten, uh, grab USC, grab UCLA, extend the invitation because that's going to make our TV deals better. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Then ESPN is talking, but, but here's the other little issue for, uh, for the ACC, their TV deal is through 2036. And so they have what's called a grant of rights that was, was built in 2013. The grant of rights says this, if the school leaves, the value of their media rights remains with the ACC in, until 2036. So let's just say, hypothetically, Clemson leaves, okay? Clemson goes to the SEC. Well, they're going to owe their mm. media money to yep. the ACC up until 2036. Now they're they're talking about getting lawyers involved and so on and so yep. forth. So, you know, with all that. But um, Kirk Herbstreet, former quarterback, Ohio State, one of the most visible uh, college guys, uh, Emmy award-winning analyst, ABC ESPN. He simply said this week in an interview, college athletics and college football, it's a new world. I think what we're headed for is a new world of what I would call the big two. I think we're going to have the future. I don't know if it's all of college athletics, but college football and the college football playoff community, I think they're going to break away from the NCAA. I don't know this for a fact. This is just my opinion. Just reading the kind of, you know, what's happened with OU in Texas and now UCLA and USC. I think the Oregons of the world, Washingtons of the world, they're all going to become part of this. I think Florida State and Clemson and Miami, whoever brings value and tradition is, I think, going to somehow either align with the Big Ten or the SEC. And I think for, to kind of clarify it for fans, I think for another way of looking at it, it's going to be the AFC and the NFC of college football. And you have, what, Absolutely. four divisions within each, mm-hmm. each conference? You may have two or three divisions within each, each of these Big Ten and SEC conferences. And I think you'll see eventually them go to like a 12 or a 16-team playoff. And it's essentially going to be NFL football uh, on Saturdays. Kirk Herbstreit. I mean, he, he, again, nothing about student-athletes, nothing about academics. Mm. No. About building like the NFL, so you become a really a, <laughs> a, a a a real feeder program to the NFL, right? Uh, which it is anyway. But now you you're getting you're getting the same system. 
But again, I'm just so dumb. NCAA, I mean, you know how much, I mean, just how much money they make off the Final Four. Billions yeah. of dollars just off the Final Four. Right. That they make and they spread their money around, but they still make a lot of money. So yeah. NCAA, I think it's in trouble. But we've been thinking about this for the last couple of years. We talked about it a little bit with name, image, and likeness and uh, all the stuff, the NIL stuff is coming as well. And the uh, money that the kids are getting paid, especially on the football field at this point. But it's crazy to think that this is going to happen in the next couple of years because mm-hmm. it's been this powerful for so many years. But I always think about this, Mac. It's, no one ever went out and created a, a second NCAA to compete with them. Right. Because obviously there's got to be some, there's got to be some underground shenanigans going on with that because nobody ever wanted to compete with NCAA and, and branch up. But now they do. And it's going to be, as he said, the wild, wild west, I think. And, you know, it's going to it's going to fall out one way or another. But I think a lot of kids still will get hurt. Tell me two leagues that needed to have a 12 team playoff any more than the Pac-12 and the ACC. So you reap what you sow. And that's the situation that uh, I think has propelled the Big 12 into a very positive situation when compared to the other two conferences. This is Center Court. Presented by the Winner's Circle Network in association with the Sampson Family Foundation. Welcome back, Center Court on the Winner's Circle Network. And our guest is Tim Brando, legendary sportscaster, Fox, CBS, uh, ESPN. He's done everything. Um, Baseball, football, uh, basketball, one of the smartest guys I know. Tim, what is your opinion now of of what has happened, not only with the USC-UCLA move, but also Texas-Oklahoma and really what's happened in college athletics over the past year? I base my opinions on those that I speak to um, in a covert manner. And I've been saying for how long that we were getting to this point. Uh, None of this is a shock to me. Uh, Many others are shocked, and the timing was – I mean, I'm not going to lie about that. The timing here was was pretty incredible because it appeared that the announcement of the new Big Ten contract was only – weeks, maybe even days away. And obviously that's changed because the makeup of the Big Ten has changed and is, is, is continuing to change. It's a fluid situation. So it may be a while until all that's finalized. All we really know is that uh, Fox has the, uh, the largest of the contracts and is consulting on what's remaining with the contract. So that it, 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 hell, we might be past Labor Day before we actually know you know, what the new deal is going to look like because we don't know what these conferences are going to look like. Well, the end game is to get everything in place so that by the time the new deals are, are, are going to be enacted, uh, we can get some form of universal leadership for college football. Tim, with what has happened in your mind, what is the end game? Okay, NCAA is going to be a complete non-factor for college football, period. Uh, it should have been a long time ago, and we're finally going to rid ourselves of of the NCAA even dabbling in such matters as um, uh, infractions and enforcement and uh, the other gobbledygook that they have uh, rules, the making of ru- rules by virtue of the NCAA when you have soccer coaches on a rules committee. Huh? Really? We've been putting up with that. Uh, throughout the history of college football. And we're going to get rid of that. Thank God. Um, and, and the NCAA will be basically in, in play only because they have a, a contract that's uh, huge 
for NCAA men's basketball, which funnels 80% of its revenue, or more than 80%, into the non-revenue-producing sports championships. So there is certainly a place for the NCAA to, to govern all those Olympic sports. The men's basketball tournament is making so much money that it can take care of the women's tournament. Uh, as well as so many of those other sports and NCAA Division two and three football and FCS football. So it's 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 not that the NCAA doesn't provide uh, a worthwhile service for the member institutions, but it just has no business being in Division one college football. It's been outgrown, and the Supreme Court basically told them that in July of last year when they voted nine to nothing, when the NCAA tried to pull a rabbit out of a hat. Um, so that, that the end game is getting universal leadership or division one college football. So that football people from schools that are in a position to, and want to perform at the highest level are governing themselves. That's the end game. Uh, and, and how those conferences go about doing it and the makeup of those conferences and the, the men that make up the leadership uh, for the conferences and perhaps, and it's my hope anyway, um, something close to a rotating czar or czar for, for Division I college football can be put into play. That's what, that's what this sport sorely needs. And, uh, you know, the, the contract for the Big Ten starts a year before the others, the, the, the Big 12 and the Pac-12, uh, in 25, and of course, the uh, new college football playoff contract will be done in 25 and implemented in 2026. And, and I think that all of this news is just moving us more towards all of the things that I've been espousing and and hoping for for over five decades. And seen it on my Twitter line. I've I've decided today to go ahead and put out another video to react to some of the negativity people. They see and hear about money, and they think all of a sudden if their team is not in this, this you know, made-up media line called the Big Two, <laughs> it's being called the Big Two because of revenue, not because anybody outside of the Big Two is not invited. That's garbage. and that, That's the interpretation. You know, that, the world of images and impressions, as my friend Spencer Tillman always says, is all people care about. And they hear that, and they get annoyed, and and they think that um, uh, that we are looking down our noses at anybody not Big Ten and SEC, and that's not the truth. Okay, it's not. So stop listening to the same talking heads who say the same things uh, who aren't necessarily looking out for the good of all of Division One college football. Um, we just have a lot of confusion out there, okay, and um, – and I'm still having to remind people that the NCAA hasn't had a thing to do, I mean a thing to do, with the monetary aspects of college football since the Supreme Court ruling of the Universities of Georgia and Oklahoma Supreme Court case of 1984. <laughs> we wouldn't be here without that. And yet there are people, even in media, that don't know what the hell I'm talking about when I say it. Broadcasting legend, longtime sportscaster Tim Brando, our guest. Were you surprised about the USC-UCLA move, and could this end up getting political? I think it's a, you know, a seismic shift, yes. 
an incredibly sound business decision on their part, no doubt about it. Uh, and by the way, I'd say this, if I didn't work at Fox, let me clear that up. No one at any network or any company that I've ever worked for uh, told me what I needed to say. If, <laughs> I wouldn't have lasted five years if that were the case. Okay. Uh, I think it's great for those schools. I think USC probably figured, you know what, we've been holding the water for this conference for how long and what are we getting? And now we've got an opportunity to get over $100 million annually versus what? Look, that's a sound business decision. And uh, UCLA going with them, uh, from a football standpoint, people might say, and I've even heard this, well, gee, they're just tagging along. What does UCLA bring? What? What? What does UCLA bring? Have you buried your head in the sand for how, how many years? Do you know anything about college basketball? <laughs> yeah, I think they bring a lot to the Big Ten, okay? Um, no doubt about it. It, and and it, it started the ball rolling, yes, no question. Um, and and I don't think that the ball's going to stop rolling, as I said, until possibly the um, the end of the summer, going into the uh, the Labor Day weekend. We'll maybe figure all this this out. But uh, I think it's a tremendous move for those two schools. I think it clearly sends um, the message that it's football here that's driving the bus. I think we all knew that. If you didn't know it before. You certainly know it now. Uh, I've seen all the reporting about, well, what about the Olympic sports? Well, you find a way to take care of the Olympic sports. Okay, we'll get to that matter in just a moment. Right now, the priority is getting the revenue from Division One college football because never before have these schools needed the revenue to the extent that they need it now. They understand, those being the leaders of these institutions and the conferences, they now know that stabilizing the long-term financial futures of their schools is is forever hitched to the wagon of college football. And you've got to do whatever you can to uh, to make sure that the viability of your school financially is in a great place because with all this money out there, uh, you know, the over $75 million or so reported to be going to SEC schools, and the over 100 million annually to, reportedly anyway, to the Big Ten schools, you can bet that the players are going to be in a position to get revenue share within the new structuring of the NIL, which I believe will happen hopefully uh, before the end of the year. Hopefully, when we get some stability in our college football Division One leadership, uh, we'll be able to see some help after the November midterms, particularly if one party controls both the House and the Senate, so that the states that have such a competitive advantage over other states, um, you know, that disparity is, is, is shoved aside. We need to do something about that. We can't get the genie back in the bottle, but we can certainly regulate um, name, image, and likeness far better than we currently are. So, Tim, with all that's, that's happened to this point, would you say that the Big 12 is is – in the best position? You know, as I said before, I, I think that uh, they're, they're in position already to be ahead of the curve, particularly when compared to the Pac-12. Uh, the Pac-12's got problems, and, and at the very top of the list of problems is the fact that George Klyavkov, along with Jim Phillips, it's not, not surprising that the two leagues that are most vulnerable are being run by the two commissioners that voted against, voted against, 
the 12-team playoff at their meetings that took place around the time of the Final Four. That's a problem. Those presidents can't be particularly happy about the situation that their schools find themselves in in those collective leagues. Well, tell me two leagues that needed to have a 12-team playoff any more than the Pac-12 and the ACC. So you reap what you sow, and that's the situation that uh, I think has propelled the Big 12 into a very positive situation when compared to the other two conferences. And um, I got a couple of thoughts that I'll pass along. One, uh, I don't think you're going to see a a merger of any kind between the Big 12 and the Pac-12 because the Pac-12, just its mission statement is so different from that of the Big 12. Uh, issues, I think, with faith-based universities. Certainly that figured into the equation for BYU when Utah went and they didn't. It was not a problem, as you could see, with the Big 12, uh, you know, geographically set in the Bible belts of the country. Uh, so if anything's going to be done between the Pac-12 and anyone, it's more likely to be the ACC than the Big 12. Whatever maximizes the most cash, the most revenue, is where they're going to go. And if you're a fringe team, you better be bringing something to the table from a revenue point of view. You better not be a drag. If you're a drag on revenue, you ain't getting in. And if you bring positive revenue to the table, you're home free. The Winner's Circle Network and the Sampson Family Foundation present Center Court with Hall of Fame basketball star Ralph Sampson. Again, here's Ralph and Mac. Welcome back, Center Court Winter Circle Network, and uh, uh, Tim Brando was was great. And Ralph, so now uh, I want to bring up ACC basketball because in reading about you know you remember I mean you were such a part of it. you to always talk about the the eight schools and how great you know ACC basketball carried the ACC for so long as far as TV and revenue and it was such a big deal. And you remember when John Swafford then was building the conference and conference expansion, it was almost basketball moves, right? Correct me if I'm wrong. Syracuse, you know, coming into the league. Of course, Florida State, Florida State had a chance to go to the SEC, but Florida State said at that time, 93, 94, whenever they came in, Florida State said, way, we want to improve our basketball. This is, you know, and look how they dominated the ACC in the 90s, right? Yep, yep. So, it's now gone. It's now gone the other because people are saying it's all about football. It's football money that's got to carry the school to carry all the Olympic sports and everything. And don't you feel I don't know, kind of bad? I guess that uh, that ACC basketball is. I don't want to say it's a second tier thing, but it's really taking a back seat now to what all these commissioners are doing. But the ACC commissioners, what they're doing to uh, with football. Mike, I mean, we we all grew up on ACC basketball game of the week because we're on the East Coast. It was an ACC or it was UCLA on the West Coast in the Mm -hmm. Pac-10, and their games wasn't as good as ours, we feel. And the players in ACC were much, much better than the players on the West Coast. I mean, everybody knew that at some point in time. So think about it. Every team in ACC had a professional player. So it was fun to watch. It was fun to have the rivalry. We played. We didn't go one, one and done. We didn't do all that. Mm-hmm. because you built the brand and you was having fun playing and, you know, you wasn't getting uh, paid money. Uh, and the NBA money wasn't that great as, as far as it is today. And it was fun to watch and develop a player and the game got better. Now think about it. The NBA back in the seventies, when it was hurting, 
mm-hmm. until the magic bird and everybody Julius or other got in and they built the NBA foundation over again through pretty much the ACC, Michael Jordan, me, Buck Williams, Albert King, and, and the list goes on. It's a lot mm-hmm. of ACC players, not only ACC, Big Ten, all the other has some players as well, but they weren't as powerful as the ACC. Everybody knows that. ACC tournament, there's no other, there was no other tournament like the ACC tournament mm-hmm. where you could pack the fans in and the stands before. You could go to an SEC basketball tournament. Kentucky bought the most fans, but after that, it was a wrap. They right. had the most money. So that was that, that. I see that back then. Now look at today. Florida State comes into the ACC, a football school, powerhouse. They come in and dominate, but that didn't last as long as they probably thought it would last, right? right. Clemson comes in now and builds a great program. They, they're a powerhouse in football. You know, every other school is trying to figure that out. So now you just got a situation where, you know, it's, it's even UVA, it's football driven. If it, Tony Britton wasn't at UVA and, and doing so well, it's football driven because that's where the money is. Mm-hmm. And you got to go to where the money is because you got to either raise a lot of money, spend a lot of money, get football, and that keeps the program going. But it's also helping, as you said, Mac, the other sports because the other sports are non-revenue sports. Mm-hmm. and they can't survive unless you have football the way the basketball tournament has been structured went to the uh, you know the the field of 64 68 technically but you know the field of 64 ralph when the football playoff started you know hey it was great it started with two you know votes and then it started with two and you know, yep, went yep. to four would would you be in favor and now and maybe this was part of the the realignment idea would you be in favor of an expanded playoff to 12 or 16 football teams? Well, it's going to go that way, I feel. I, I think that's very um, a good way to go. You can follow some of the NFL stuff because it works. Mm-hmm. I don't know how taxing it is on a, on a football player in college because you got to go to class. You got all these other things. Now, NFL, you're going home, you're going, you're going to the arena, you're studying, you're going home, go to sleep. Yeah. Now, kid got to play every week, got to go to class. Will he go to class or not? I don't know. Sometimes mm-hmm. I think you will. Sometimes I think they won't. So it's going to be hard to justify going that far. If you're looking at a student athlete, if you're looking at football as a entity that's a feeder system to the NFL and all you're looking at is the money, then it works. It right. works. It goes from there. But I just don't think that the system is ready yet for that. I think the kids will get hurt. Uh, will they be in great shape to be able to play football 24 seven now uh, year round and it's going to pan out. And I don't think initially it's going to be great. Now they're going to make some adjustments. They're going to have to make some adjustments along the way, which they will. Mm-hmm. And then it might pan out in a couple of years, but right now it's the jury still out. And I think it's going to be crazy. Well, okay. So how do we position if, if we're talking big 10, how is the big 10 involved in this? Bill green joined us writer, author, Buckeye scoop is his website and Bill green taking us through how the, the big 10 and how this is going to work and especially how it's going to benefit the big 10. Bill, I think with all that's happened in the last couple of weeks, and of course the USC-UCLA move, and now all the talk about the big two, has this become just a conference realignment numbers game, in your opinion? Yeah, the the key thing is how many teams are going to be a part of this super alliance? Is it 40? Is it 48? Is it 60? You know, the, the eventual goal this coach thought after talking to his athletic director, the eventual goal is a 12 or a 16 team playoff. And they just maximize that revenue right out the door, which, you know, I mean, I think it money has always kind of driven the sport, but I think, you know, money's up there a little higher than it always has been. I think right now. And it's, there's no pretense anymore that 
this is about educating young men and this is about maximizing money so the key thing is how many schools survive this purge you know i i think the sec and the big 10 all their schools i think are safe including rutgers and vanderbilt usc and ucla didn't want to get left behind they jumped and i do think oregon and washington well that doesn't matter what i think the guy i talked to and i actually talked to two separate coaches they think oregon and washington jumped soon i know the acc is saying that you know all's hunky-dory we're good you know no one believes that they think miami florida state clemson north carolina are going to look for landing spots here maybe not soon but behind the scenes, you got they believe that talks are going on. Um, so I, I think the thing is, who gets left out? You know, there's gonna be some pretty darn good programs left behind here. What happens with Baylor? What happens with Arizona State? Um, Wake Forest, is Virginia on the line here? Stanford, are they on the line? That's where it's gonna get really interesting to me. I mean, for Ohio State and Alabama and Georgia, you're going to have to beat everybody and, and be there in the end as they are right now, as they were 20 years ago. So it doesn't change too much, I don't think, for the elite schools. The big question to me is who gets chopped in this thing? And that's going to be interesting. And can they find their way in? Or are you out for good? Once you're out, you're out. Is there a way in that they think, oh, okay, Vanderbilt? you haven't done, you haven't lived up to the, the obligation. So you're out and we're bringing Louisville in. Does that happen? You know, kind of like Euro soccer. I mean, it's amazing where this could be. I think we're seeing the tip of the iceberg right now, to be honest. I mean, everybody thinks the, the USC and UCLA is just like a seismic revolution here. I don't think it is. I think it's the beginning of the end. And as we know it, you know, it just follows up Texas and Oklahoma, and there's going to be more. You know, I mean, you know, if I were Stanford, I think I'd be fighting to try to get in right now. And I don't know if anyone would take them. You know, where do they fit in? And who is the governing body? That was the one thing these coaches both said to me. Who is the governing body right now? It's not going to be the NCAA. No one believes that. So, more questions than answers here. Bill Green from Buckeye Scoop, who covers the the Big Ten, does an outstanding job. Bill, I guess my next question would be, where does the NCAA fit in with this whole thing? Both coaches I talked to thought that the NCAA would remain um, for every other sport but football. But football is taking on a whole new life of its own. And life as we've known it all along, it, it's going to change, you know. And, and it changed with the four-team playoff. It changed with the two-team playoff, you know. So it's constantly been evolving. But this one's going to be seismic, I believe, when we get to the end of this. It's going to be the NFL 2.0. And to me, again, to go back to an earlier point, I think the question is how many teams make the cut? And then the teams that probably don't make the cut, They've got some pretty darn good coaches. So Luke Fickle, Matt Campbell, we're looking at you. Does this cause them to jump this year? You know what I mean? Where Matt Campbell normally would not look at, I don't know, Indiana. He might now. Luke Fickle might not look at Mississippi State. He might now. So that's to me, that's the fascinating point. There are some really, really good coaches. Dave Clawson at Wake Forest. 
these guys are excellent coaches and they're going to want to have a seat at the table. So it started being wild here a couple of weeks ago with USC and UCLA. I think it's going to continue to be wild throughout the year. And the fun part could happen when coaches start getting fired. Bill Green, who covers Ohio State and the Big Ten with us from Buckeye Scoop. So, Bill, if there is a power two, do we know a number of schools that would that would make up these power conferences that would would build, I guess, what everybody is calling the NFL model, AFC, NFC, two conferences, four or five divisions. Do we have a number? No, I didn't get an answer on that. The number that was floated to me, and these guys won't know either. They're just hearing what their athletic director is telling them. And the athletic director are just along for the ride right now too. There's no governing body right now for this new thing. So, but they thought like 24 apiece made sense. To get to a total of 40, 48 would be a working number, they felt. But, you know, whatever maximizes the most cash, the most revenue is where they're going to go. And if you're a fringe team, you better be bringing something to the table from a revenue point of view. You better not be a drag. If you're a drag on revenue, you ain't getting it. And if you bring positive revenue to the table, you're home free. Writer, author, Bill Green from Buckeye Scoop, and he covers Ohio State in the Big Ten like a blanket. Ralph and I return on the Winter Circle Network. Does Zion Williamson deserve the rookie extension? That story and more when we come back. During Ralph Sampson's Hall of Fame career, he always believed dedication and teamwork were the two main ingredients for success. Now, with the opening of his restaurant in Charlottesville, the American Tap Room is proving great food can happen in an upscale sports bar atmosphere. Ralph Sampson's American Tap Room features local eats, local brews, and traditional favorites like burgers, wings, steaks, and seafood. You'll love the lobster mac and cheese and the Bourbon Street pasta. There's even a Coach Bennett ribeye. The tap room is now open for lunch from 11 to 4, and the staff serves dinner from 4 to 10. Reservations are accepted, and you can book parties up to 150 people. Contact General Manager Martin Welch at 434-422-8093. Ralph Sampson's American Tap Room, a hometown bar and grill brought to you by a hometown hero. Welcome back to the Accord Winter Circle Network. Zion Williamson signed a rookie extension this week, $231 million. Now, after Michael Jordan played 85 games, and that's how many games Zion has played, Zion ranks second to MJ. So the question stick, is Zion Williamson worth that kind of money? Uh, Zion can carry Michael's jockstrap, as they <laughs> would say in the league, right? It's kind of crazy. But, I mean, if I'm Zion, I mean – I. I'm going to take the money, right? I mean, I got mm -hmm. no other choice. You go give it to me. Think about he's played 80 some odd games. 85 on, games. On a bad team that and out of 85 games, he may have won. He didn't win 50% of the games, I'm sure. And guys looking at so there's a beef between Shaquille O'Neal and some other players like uh, Rudy Gobert that got 30 some, I mean, 200 some million dollars as well. He got traded mm -hmm. from Utah to Minnesota. And Shaq said basically, that dude ain't worth that amount of money. <laughs> and then, then all, all the powers to be, well, Shaq's jealous because he's making more money than him. Well, you know, I would be jealous too of you making more money than I've made and because of your, your statistical numbers. And, and Rudy Gobert is not a good player. 
Right. He's, not, he's not Shaquille O'Neal. He's not Tim Duncan. He's not Akeem Olajuwon. He's not even that, in that caliber of player. And he gets the $200 million. That's the escalation of the league. And the pioneers that laid the foundation, I think they also get some of that money too at some, some point. But Zion, uh, more power to you. So whoever gave him that money, Beavis in Oregon working out with Nike in the gym, uh, the, the social media looks like, looks like he's in great shape on the outside. Mm-hmm. But that knee, it still ain't in good shape on the inside because it's got torn stuff and it has to, you know, and I've been through that. So I know what he can go through, but to get that amount of money, it tells you how much the league is making across the board. I mean, it's billions of dollars that the league's given over in this last two months. Guys getting 200 million, 150 million, <laughs> you know, I mean, that, that can't play dead. <laughs> they can't play dead. I mean, all of us that played before, they can't play. They wouldn't be able to play today. But that's the elevation of the league and how much the league is worth. Oh, good stuff. One other note, a sad note, too. And a guy that I know you know, Terry Holland knows because he was on Terry's bench for a few years. Uh, Mike Schuler, age 81, used to coach the Portland Trailblazers. In fact, I think it was 87 where he was NBA yep, yep. coach of the year turned around but Mike Schuler passed away uh, a few days ago and so just wanted to acknowledge that and I know absolutely great uh, coach and uh, he was part of that 76 championship with Wally Walker for Ralph Sampson I'm Mac McDonald and from the Winter Circle Network that's Center Court for this week you've been listening to Center Court with Hall of Fame basketball player Ralph Sampson our podcast is available on the Believe Network at BLEAV.com Center Court is presented by the Winter Circle Network and the Sampson Family Foundation. For more information, log on to SampsonFamilyFoundation.org. Uplift. Empower. Educate. Teamwork makes the dream work. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.